Hello, homeschool friends, and welcome to this episode of the Homeschool High School Podcast from SevenSistersHomeschool.com, brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. I'm Sabrina, and today I have two special guests, and they are special because they just are, but they're also special to me in a special way because it's my parents. So I am interviewing Dr. Gerald R. Cully and Betty Cully, my parents, and you guys can say hello. Hi. Hello there. So we are going to talk about old people, oh, I'm sorry, not old people, grandparents and homeschooling. Oops, did that slip out? Um, Yeah, old people and homeschooling, because grandparents bring a whole extra dimension. And I'm being snarky and obnoxious because I'm teasing my parents about being old. But I also am genuinely drawing attention to one of the most wonderful things about homeschooling, which is cross-generational socialization. And uh, we often hear people worrying about whether or not homeschoolers will be socialized. (laughs) And there's an entire podcast on that topic. Uh, You can look for that in the list of podcasts. We did that one a few weeks back. Um, But in that, Vicki Tillman talked about the actual definition of socialization, according to like sociology professors and stuff who made up the word, uh, is that it's the process of passing along to someone the, the norms and the expectations and the behavior patterns that are appropriate for a society. And so it is, it is best done when it's from one generation to another, or even from two generations to another. Uh, people often talk about socialization as if it's all about our kids being with their peers. And while peer time is really good and important for students who are growing up so that they can be healthy and learn all those skills, socialization has more to do with learning how to behave appropriately in society. And you learn that better from people who have been doing it for longer than you have. So we're big fans of encouraging homeschool parents to trust their gut and to recognize how much their kids are learning from them. But if you have grandparents who want to get involved in the mix, that is so much even better because it brings an older factor into the equation. It brings people who have done life even longer. And I think we would all agree that your perspective changes over years and things become um, richer and wiser and deeper maybe than they were when you were in your 20s or your 30s or your 40s. So we're going to talk a little bit about how grandparents can bring um, a wonderful extra dimension to homeschooling. So I was blessed to have parents who did not think I was insane when I decided to homeschool. (laughs) And that I know is not the case for everyone. So we're going to talk about grandparents who are not big fans of homeschooling a little bit later in the episode. But let's start with just you guys' story. What did you think when um, I started talking about homeschooling your grandchildren? At the same time, Seven Sister Allison, who is actually my biological sister, so also Jerry and Betty's daughter, she was one year ahead of me in having kids, and she was one year ahead of me in deciding to homeschool. So you had two daughters with your first set of grandkids saying, we're gonna homeschool. I thought it was a great idea. There's such a change in our culture and especially in our schools that I really felt it it would be terrible to put a five-year-old into public school. 
and so I was pleased. Now you put us in public school when we were five years old, so we were we were a family that did public school when I was growing up and when Allison was growing up. Right, right, and I think that in that length of time, there's been a unbelievable change. Mm. There had been an unbelievable change. We had seen an entire generation go by, and had been observing uh, what was happening within uh, the educational uh, world, and uh, so. Uh, I was also perfectly happy uh, to see what at first was an experiment. Hmm. Yeah, and, and Allison and I both started that way, um, saying we're going to try this for pre-K and we're going to see what happens. And if it's a complete disaster, we haven't ruined our children for life because they're not going to be you know, horribly behind. And at the end of that first year, we said, wow, this is really fun. <laughs> uh. Probably wasn't fun all the time, but... Uh, well, much of the time it was fun. Yes. Much yes. of the time. Um, so we started off with our little people, and we were doing pre-K and kindergarten, and then second and third children came along in each family, and now we were doing various elementary grades. And it was not very far into the, to the process that you guys got hands-on involved. Do you remember some of the things that you did with the grandkids that were part of their homeschool experience? Well, I think I got tapped fairly early because both of my daughters uh, looked at me and said, well now, let's see, I'd like for my children to learn Latin. <laughs> and uh, of course, I'd spent my whole professional career doing Latin and Greek. Uh, so uh, I wasn't uh, terribly thrilled at the idea, but it turned out to be a lot of fun. Now let's just clarify, your career was teaching Latin and Greek to college students. <laughs> yes, at the university level, and it was a little terrifying uh, for the first five minutes uh, <laughs> to think of uh, doing that with my own grandchildren. <laughs> so what were those classes like in the early days? What did, you, what did you even do with them? I mean, clearly you couldn't just pull out college curriculum. No, no, I had to, uh, first of all, I had to give them uh, good Roman names, <laughs> and uh, they were quite happy with that. And then, of course, uh, there are materials that are intended for uh, younger students, and fortunately I had some of those available to me right away, and so uh, we started learning vocabulary right away, and some nice little phrases that they could use with one another. Cool. Cool. Um, I remember them loving Latin class, and we had it just once a week. We would have a little co-op, and you guys would come over for co-op, as I recall. I have mom brain, so maybe some of my details will be <laughs> off. Feel free to correct me yes. if I'm losing it. But um, yes, and their Roman names were very important to them. So they actually did some straight-up academics with you teaching. Um, they did music with you, Mother. Yeah, I would say our involvement, though, with the kids' ed education started much before that because we believed very much in reading to the young children and in encouraging them, as they got older, them to read. Mm -hmm. And I would say that was our first, yeah. our first involvement with their yeah. education. Uh, yeah, uh, I played the piano, and I really wasn't, I wasn't exactly qualified to teach it, but... Any of the kids who were interested, I started them out in the simplest books and what have you. 
And then if they did turn out to be the ones who would practice and who were interested in doing it, as they got a little farther along, uh, I would turn them over to a, a more qualified teacher. And so I guess I had two, yeah, I had two who really stayed with it and mm -hmm. still played piano. Yeah, um, Allison's daughter, Caitlin, um, still plays a lot and mm -hmm. plays amazingly. And my daughter, Becca, does not play much anymore, but was playing pretty seriously uh, up through college, mm -hmm. I guess. So, mm -hmm. yeah, but they got, they got their start with their grandmother at the keyboard with them. And, you know, I emphasize practice, 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 <laughs> which I think also helps for homeschoolers in, yes, do your homework, because so much of homeschooling is stuff that they do on their own mm -hmm. that's been assigned to them and they're supposed to do and if you neglect it you're not going right. to do as well right and one of the things that we most certainly learned pretty early on with homeschooling is uh, the uh, the skills that the children obtain uh, that are um, not specifically even related to the subject matter but they learn how to work on their own, and that pays tremendous dividends farther along the line. Yeah, the, um, the learning to learn thing, and the learning to, um, to self-start and to self-monitor, and then the learning how to work in a group where other people are perhaps self-monitoring differently than you are, all, all of those things are the kind of skills that a lot of traditional schoolers graduate from high school without, and then go into the workplace or into the college environment, don't really know how to learn for themselves and don't respect the fact that people around them may be doing that slightly differently than they are. And um, we had an episode where we talked to my daughter Becca about the unique position that she's in. And she is a public school teacher, state certified with that college training, but she was homeschooled. And how does she see those two? Does she, when she looks back, um, are there things that she learned training to be a teacher that she wishes we had known when we were homeschooling her kind of things? Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest things that she talked about was that they had all these classes in differentiation that you need to, to um, understand that with each student in front of you, you're looking for what does this child need? Where is this child's strength? Where are their fears or weaknesses? And, she was thinking, really? Someone has to explain this to you? Like, you should have learned this about yourself way back and then seen it in co-ops and stuff all along because so much of homeschooling is tailored to um, the needs of the particular student. And uh, so, yeah, that learning how to learn is super valuable. I remember one thing. Uh, Jonah was first or second grade, no more than that. And I was helping him with math. And the problem was, he was a quick study in math. And so he would look at the problem and he'd give me the answer. But he didn't want to go through the steps that mm -hmm. you have to go through. And so I had to, to tell him quite a few times, okay, that's the answer, now show me how you, on paper, how you get it because uh, he needed to, to realize that that's necessary because you're gonna go into higher math where mm -hmm. you can't do it unless you know how, know how right. the, what the steps are. Now let's talk about that because you were never Jonah's math teacher, but you no. were helping Jonah with math because this, this is one of the lovely things about grandparents being involved in homeschooling. Aside from the, they may have skills like Latin or piano that they can offer that mom doesn't have. 
Um, they provide a different teacher and a different experience for the kids, which is fun and good for them. But there can also be times when life throws a crisis into your lap and mom is overwhelmed. And that was the case for me when I first became a single mom. And um, many of you who are listening to the podcast already know this or have learned about it from sevensistershomeschool.com on the blog, but I'm the mom of a blended family with seven kids in it. And when my first marriage ended, I had four young children, all of whom we were homeschooling. And um, my life suddenly changed dramatically and I had to add some work days into my week um, to make things work financially. And there was a lot of stress in the home, particularly on me as mom. And my parents, my kids' grandparents, stepped in to help carry the homeschool load while we worked through that transition and figured out whether we could continue to homeschool or whether we would have to make a change. Um, so I remember when we came up with the Fridays at Avis and Ava's house. Avis and Ava are the Latin names for grandmother and grandfather, and that's what all of our kids always called my folks. Um, and I was going to be carrying a full load of voice students on Fridays each week. And so I came to my parents and I said, here's my thought. I can handle the kids being at the house on Fridays while I'm teaching student after student all day long from eight in the morning until six that night. But I can't have them get anything done. <laughs> They're a little too young to self-manage for that long a period of time. That means we're going to lose school completely for that one day every week. And that's a lot of stress for me. So what did you guys do? <laughs> they spent Fridays at our house <laughs> and they had school while they were there. So how, how did you guys know what to do for school for them? Did you just pick well, up your own stuff or? No, you already had given them assignments. And so we were helping them in effect with their homework. Uh, and depending on their age, with the younger ones, there was actually more of teaching mm -hmm. than there was guiding with the older ones on their homework. And we wound up doing bits and pieces of various subjects mm -hmm. uh, at, the, um, at the educational level where they were we were in a position to help with pretty much anything, whether it was uh, grammar or um, mathematics or uh, even when they got into a little bit of um, geometry, uh, we, were, uh, we were there to help. But another big piece of it was the, uh, I haven't been asked about this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Go for that, it. Uh, we found it tremendously fulfilling simply to be able to spend that much time with our grandchildren in a setting where we were not obligated to entertain them every moment, where they were engaged in some serious learning activity, uh, to be able to support them in that uh, meant a lot. Wow, that's cool. I've never heard you just actually say that in those words before. That's really, that's very heartwarming. That's neat, thank you. Um, yeah, there, there's a whole expectation sometimes that we don't even realize we have fallen into or have bought into, that when we go to the grandparents' house, it's fun and games and entertain me from the moment I arrive until the moment I go home. And um, that was a period of time where you guys spent a huge amount of time 
essentially just doing life with your grandchildren, but not entertaining them. And I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. And it gave them an opportunity to, to see other aspects of their grandparents that they would not otherwise have seen. Uh, there's, I think, uh, too much danger when grandchildren see their grandparents only uh, very rarely and on special occasions that they, they see them only as uh, some kind of special event uh, that is responsible for treating them to this, that, or the other thing. And they don't see them as whole persons. Mm, very good. Which again brings us back to that cross-generational socialization thing that my kids had that special opportunity to see that older people, even older than their own parents, oh my, <laughs> were still people and had lives and had friends and had phone calls and had housework and hobbies and books that they were reading and all that kind of normal life stuff and that that was, that was um, not something they would see without that type of time spent with you. I also have uh, some ideas about this socialization. You know, when people ask me when your kids were still in school, uh, but are they socialized? I would just want to either break out laughing or say, oh, you don't understand. Because with my grandchildren and then with all of their friends who were also homeschooled, who had co-ops together and who were in choir together and this kind of thing, I saw a generation of kids growing up knowing how to talk to peers, how to play with peers, how to study with peers, but then I also saw they also talk, knew how to talk to me. Mm -hmm. uh, to uh, If I walked in the room to offer me a seat, uh, they, the socialization to me was almost a whole lot better than going to, to, uh, to public school. If I can uh, throw in an anecdote here, uh, when, uh, when Sam was a young teen, he took a trip with, uh, with Betty and me to the Midwest and we stopped off at one point uh, with some very old friends of ours uh, who are also, of course, uh, in our age uh, category. And uh, so as soon as we got there, the, uh, we had moved out onto the porch and Sam had some homeschool homework to do. And so uh, our hosts had pointed out a room where he could be alone and work on that as much as he wanted to. And then we realized within about five minutes, he was back sitting with the whole group. And Sam, didn't you, didn't you prefer to, uh, to be with the, uh, uh, with the stuff that you'd brought with you? And he smiled and said, I like being with old people. <laughs> And then he stayed with us and he entered into our conversation and everything because he knew how to talk to older people. Very good. I love it. So what, um, what are some things that, and this, this is going to require you to think a little bit imaginatively, but if you had friends in your circle at the time that Allison and I were homeschooling our kids because you know now we've graduated our babies and, and we're past that stage but if you had had friends then whose kids wanted to homeschool and the grandparents were very uncomfortable with it um, without 
launching into what my friend Melissa calls happy sparkly homeschooler talk. Because <laughs> the happy sparkly thing just doesn't work. <laughs> it's not always fun. It's not always a good idea. It's not always the right choice to homeschool. Um, but so without crossing into just waving signs and wearing t-shirts and being ambassadors for homeschooling, what kinds of things do you think you could have shared with your peers to ease their concerns about their grandchildren being homeschooled? I would first of all remind these grandparents that we do not live in the same world. Our grandchildren are not living in the same world that we lived in at our age. Uh, I would also say different families need different things. For instance, there's no way my mother could have homeschooled me because my father died when I was six and mother had to go to work to feed us. Uh, but there's, there's just a very, I, I find this so much and I talk to the uh, women that I'm, I'm teaching a women, mentoring women class. I talk to them about the fact that the world has changed so much and we can't measure it by what we as grandparents did for school mm -hmm. to take it on over two generations into our grandchildren. There are, are reasons that it just, public school doesn't always work. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not saying by that that everybody should homeschool. Nope. Don't There's misunderstand not one right me. Way to educate no. Your children. No. Nope. But, uh, don't be afraid of it. At least take some time seeing what happens. I think too that I would mention that while I was pleased to see that my daughters were going to homeschool uh, our grandchildren because I thought it would probably be a better choice than, uh, than the public school route, still I didn't have any direct experience of how ultimately it would work. And the first thing I had to ask myself was, do I trust my children to, to uh, be good parents to their children? And to a certain extent, I was waiting on the academic side of it with a little bit of unease to see how does it come out? Mm. And I would certainly be able then to, uh, to share, perhaps in an offhanded way, with somebody who is uneasy about the idea, that when the, when the first one went to her uh, orientation for the University of Delaware, that the registrar found out that she had been homeschooled and expressed absolute delight that she was coming to Delaware. Mm. That told me a lot. Mm. Yeah. yeah, Daddy, you hit on something Really, I, I, this, this may be too much leading, but I know you guys believe this, so I'm just gonna go ahead and lead the conversation. That idea of do I trust my children um, essentially comes down to do I trust God? And if you're talking about grandparents who are followers of Jesus, who are nervous about the homeschooling thing, an awful lot of it comes down to, are you willing to pray for your kid as they embark on homeschooling their, their mm -hmm. children. Um, are you willing to trust God to lead them step by step in this? Because all of parenting is one decision after another after another. Sometimes big decisions that will set the course for a year and sometimes that will just set the course for an hour. But grandparents are always having to look 
at those grandchildren and say, they're actually not mine to raise. They're my child's. God gave them to my child. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I can pray and I can encourage. Right. But, um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of prayer and faith that I would imagine is necessary. Yeah, yeah, there is. And we were blessed with our children and with our grandchildren. That, of course, is extremely important. Uh, I think also of the, uh, of the fact that uh, as a grandparent, you love those kids and you want to see them bloom. You want to see them happy. And the, the more you can take the opportunity to spend a little bit of extra time with them and talk about uh, the things that they are learning in the same way that you would if they were in public school. Show interest and show excitement and watch how much they are enjoying the experience. Hmm. Good thoughts. Thank you. I, I hope that if you are listening to this as a seventh sister out there and um, you are thinking, boy, Sabrina and Allison had it really easy because their parents were supportive and were involved and were um, praying and were encouraging. And my situation is nothing like that. My parents don't even know the Lord. Um, they think that we're religious fanatics in the first place. And now we want to homeschool. They think we're acting like we're in a cult. Um, all those kinds of things. If that's your situation, first of all, I, I am sad that, that that is the situation for some of you. And um, I do recognize how much of a blessing it was to have the kind of grandparents involved in my kids' homeschooling that we had. But if that's your situation, I just want to encourage you, there is a, there is a separate piece to homeschooling that, doesn't, uh, that didn't exist when my kids were little that does now, which is called an, an additional 25 years of research and data. And if you have grandparents who are hostile to homeschooling, who really think that you are making a bad decision to homeschool your kids, point them to the research, point them to the college admissions protocols for homeschoolers. You can find this information all over the internet. Go to the actual universities that you respect. Um, look at Ivy League schools and go on their websites and find out what our admissions um, protocol for homeschoolers. It is astounding the way the academic world has come to not only accept but embrace homeschooling as an educational choice. The military actively courts homeschoolers and hopes that homeschoolers will enlist in the military because they do so well there. So there, there's a whole lot of secular um, education-based research proving that you're not just wacky and goofy and weird and you're not only doing this because you're some sort of religious fanatic, but that this really is an educational choice that is respectable and has proven itself now over a couple of generations of graduates um, as being a very positive choice for a lot of families. Um, I wish that I could wave a magic wand and make everybody's grandparents involved the way my parents were with my kids because, wow, it was, it was really cool and wonderful. Um, but if that is not the case in your world, prayerfully consider what you can do to help the grandparents understand and get more comfortable with the choices that you're making to homeschool your kids. Instead of preaching at them as to why this is perfect and awesome, 
invite them in in little ways to the things that your kids are interested in and excited about as they're learning. And maybe you'll see some of those walls come down. Um, I think that that is everything that's on my list. And so we're going to wind it down. Looks like Mother has something to throw in. <laughs> yes, I was just thinking. Uh, and also for your homeschoolers, your grandparents need to do the same things that you would do for your children that were in public school. You need to go to their chorus uh, performances. You need to sports games. go to their They're, sports yeah. games. You need to take part in all of that kind of thing. And that will also help you in seeing other children who are benefiting from homeschooling. Uh, I may, uh, I, I want to say one thing that I told my other daughter, Allison, who was the oldest and started first. Her you all heard that. Allison's older than <laughs> I am. Just, just saying. Go ahead. Uh, her husband was a pu public school teacher. He's taught, he just recently retired after 30, over 30 years of teaching second and third grade. And he had a little bit of uncertainty when they decided to do this was he being uh i don't know like a traitor to the cause yeah sort somehow. of a traitor to the to the cause of public school and i remember saying to him wayne our public school schools need christian teachers in them as you are that does not mean that it's okay to throw your five-year-old into a an element that doesn't meet with your with your mm. Christian beliefs. Mm. Yeah, um, there's not one right way to do any of this, and and you know that we hold to that very firmly. If you have listened to the podcast or read the blog at sevensistershomeschool.com, or if you follow us on Facebook or um, any of the other social media outlets that we're a part of, and we we want to encourage you to always be like Kim always says pray first pray in the middle and pray again at the end because you just need to be covering all that you're doing um, in parenting and in life in seeking God and if that's what you're doing you will find what the right way is for your family and that may mean homeschooling K through 12 and it may mean homeschooling for a season and it may mean some of the time uh, homeschooling very much just you and the kids and other times involving lots and lots of other people. There are so many different ways to, um, to approach the homeschooling process. But if you, are, if you are praying, you can trust that God is going to help you make those decisions that are going to be a good fit for your family. And if that can include grandparents, that is a wonderful thing and you should give thanks for it. So I give thanks to my parents for taking the time to be here on the podcast today. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. And we hope that our seventh sisters will join us on future episodes. This has been the Homeschool High School podcast from sevensistershomeschool.com, brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. 